Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello everyone and welcome back to Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Carrie Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're covering agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Farm Service Agency County Committee ballots are in the mail. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up. It's been a trying year for feed yards, to say the least, but the picture's a little brighter right now. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. Despite growing a wide variety of peanuts year-to-year, the West Texas crop was down dramatically in 2020. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories along with the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domel with news headlines. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has mailed eligible farmers and ranchers across the country ballots for their local Farm Service Agency County Committee. Completed ballots for the election should be returned to an FSA office by December 7th. Each FSA county committee has 3 to 11 elected members who serve three-year terms of office and at least one seat up for election each year. County committee members help FSA make important decisions on commodity support programs, conservation programs, and emergency programs. Again, the deadline to return county committee ballots to FSA is December 7th. U.S. farmers and ranchers have until December 11th to sign up for the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program at local Farm Service Agency offices. The new fishing pier, Bayfront, and Bayfront campsites at Goose Island State Park in Rockport are now open, three years after they were severely damaged by Hurricane Harvey. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, during the hurricane in 2017, high winds tore most lights off the pier and removed large portions of its floorboards. Almost all of the handrails were destroyed and the boards that support the pier's floorboards were stressed to the point that they were fractured. If you plan on checking out the new pier, campsites, or restored bayfront, be sure to check out the Texas State Parks website. Operations are still limited at state parks due to the coronavirus. State park visitors are encouraged to reserve day passes and overnight camping spots online in advance. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. For cattle feedlots in the Texas High Plains, things are getting better, but there's still room for improvement. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. Over the past couple of weeks or so, cash prices for cattle sold out of area feedlots have risen about 3 or $4 to about $110 per hundredweight. But Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association says... If you look at the average animal coming out of the feed yard today, they're losing money. They're losing, you know, about somewhere around 100 bucks. Miller says a lot of pressure is being felt from the recent jump in corn prices, but still the current losses are much better than the losses of around $250 a head or so that were being suffered a couple of months back. And one big bright spot, 
That massive backlog at packing plants brought on by the pandemic has smoothed out. Guys are finally catching up and getting caught up. And if you look at the weights coming out of the feed yards today, those weights are finally starting to drop a little bit. Miller says one present unknown when assessing the economic well-being of feedlots is how much of a difference the government's coronavirus assistance payments are making on their bottom lines. In Amarillo, James Hunt for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cotton harvest continues ahead of schedule here in Texas. USDA's latest Texas crop progress and condition report showing we're now 68% harvested. That is well ahead of the 52% five-year average pace. Cotton crop conditions actually improved somewhat here in this latest report. 6% of the cotton crop rated excellent, 16% rated good, 31% fair, and now only 47% of the crop rated poor to very poor as compared to 50% in those two categories last week. It's been a roller coaster type of year for Texas peanut farmers. Tom Nicoletti takes a closer look. For today's program, my guest is Shelly Nutt. She is executive director of the Texas Peanut Producers Board. And Shelly, thanks for being with us today. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So give us a quick wrap-up of how the peanut harvest uh, concluded this year across Texas. Oh, it was crazy. We had such a mixed bag across the state. Um, West Texas, where 90% of the peanuts are grown, had a severe drought, excessive heat, and the yields were reflective of that. Uh, We had below average yields across almost all of West Texas. Uh, They graded well, but the yields were down. You know, in West Texas, we grow all four of the types of peanuts, Virginia, Valencia, Spanish, and Runners. Uh, We need those Virginia peanuts to have a really, really light shell. Um, And fortunately, our crop looked good. And that's so important on those Virginia peanuts and the Valencias as well. The grades were great, but the yields were just devastatingly low in places. And, you know, we had people that didn't see a drop of rain from March till harvest, just nothing. And we rely on irrigation to help us get that crop set to supplement our rainfall when there is no rainfall. It just is too taxing on our irrigation wells. Our water quality starts getting worse and worse as as the water gets lower. It, It just turned into a really hard, hard year in West Texas. South Texas is the bright picture of the state. They had very, very good yields, very good quality. Grades were well. So farmers in South Texas and that Atascosa and Frio County area had a home run this year. And that was kind of the bright spot. You know, another little bright spot, Tom, was the panhandle. We've got a lot of peanuts grown up in that Clarendon, Memphis area, and they did really well. They caught some rains that the guys in West Texas didn't catch. Their quality was good. Their yields were good. So We had some bright spots across the state. We had some really, really bad areas across the state, which is kind of like what our year has been like, (laughs) just this roller coaster of a year. It's been the same in our peanut production this year. Year to year, where does Texas rank nationally in peanut production? We're fourth in production. For years, we were number two following Georgia, but our acres have gone down some just with this extended drought we've been under in so many parts of the state. We follow Georgia, Florida, and Alabama now. What does make us unique and puts us in a real niche market for peanuts is that we do grow all four types. We also grow organics. We also grow high oleics. So we've got all of these really great things going for us. If I'm going to market peanuts, my farmers make it really easy on me because they do grow the highest quality peanut in the country. That supplemental irrigation always keeps us from having to worry about aflatoxin levels. We use very little pesticide because our climate is so arid. Texas peanuts 
can pass all of the standards tests just because we grow such a high-quality, consistent, high-quality peanut. That is Shelly Nutt. She is uh, executive director with the Texas Peanut Producers Board. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cotton harvest is underway in the rolling plains of Texas, and farmers there are looking forward to wrapping up a year that has brought a lot of challenges. Barry Mahler reports from the Wichita Falls area. Cotton strippers are beginning to ease into harvest here on the rolling plains due to freezing weather about three weeks ago. Farmers were rushing to prep the crop with a bowl opener just days before the temperatures took a drastic drop. Now, cotton is naturally terminated and defoliated by freezing weather, but responds better with a gradual cooling of the weather and then a hard freeze. When the freeze follows warm fall temperatures, it can shock the crop and prevent the bowls from opening for harvest. And although the cold shock doesn't seem to be as severe this year as it has been in the past, the bowl opener application does seem to have helped. It's just one more thing to add to the list of problems with this crop. This one's been a challenge all across the rolling plains and even up into the high plains. The crop has seen the usual problems of hot, dry weather and excessive rain all in the same season. And then the early cold weather, but even with the lower expected yields, the market's not responded quite as well as farmers would like. They don't get me wrong, the market's better than a year ago with some increased export demand, but the COVID pandemic is possibly keeping the lid on it as it's limited the ability for the industry to process the lead and turn it into consumable products. Many of our plants have been running at below maximum capacity due to reduced worker numbers, and a lot of people have held back on purchases of products, concentrating on the Necessities rather than an updated wardrobe. So I guess the crop has been affected at all levels, from production to consumption, and some folks say it's just another part of the problems that 2020 has brought. But long term, maybe the market will continue to respond and bring better times for cotton producers in 2021. This is Barry Mahler reporting from Wichita Falls for Texas Ag Today. New data released by the American Farm Bureau Federation shows a recent final rule regarding H-2A wages gives farmers and farm laborers much-needed stability. Michael Clements reports from Washington. The H-2A adverse effect wage rate final rule changes the index wages are based on, providing farmers predictability in labor cost. New data from the American Farm Bureau Federation's Market Intel team shows the change will stabilize wage rates, according to AFBF Congressional Relations Director Allison Crittenden. This data from the Market Intel proves that farmers will have more predictability and stability when it comes to their wage rates. What we've seen using the old methodology that's based on the survey is there are very unpredictable increases in random years. And what we experience using a ECI indexed wage methodology is a predictable increase from year to year, which helps farms make important planning decisions. The final rule no longer uses USDA's farm labor survey for workers who fall under core farm occupations. Instead, the rule will base wages on the employment cost index. For 97% of H-2A workers, their wages will be frozen for the first two years. So for 2021 and 2022, In 2023, the wages paid to those individuals will be indexed based on the employment cost index. So the wages will increase based on however much the employment cost index increased in the preceding 12 months. 
Crittenden says the final rule allows farmers to predict wage and labor costs. A lot of our labor-intensive state labor makes up more than 20% of the total expenses on the farm. So it's really important to have a predictable, stable wage methodology for H-2A workers so that the program continues to work and farmers can continue to use it. Find the complete analysis on the Market Intel page at FB.org. Michael Clements, Washington. There's a program that allows fourth and fifth grade students and their families to visit national parks for free. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. Anthrax is a common cause of death in livestock and wildlife every year here in Texas, but there may be a way to decrease these cases. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at that issue coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Anthrax is a common cause of death in livestock and wildlife every year, but we may have a way to decrease the deaths in these cases. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells how. Anthrax is a century-old disease caused by the bacterium Bacillus anthracis. The bacteria is found in soil and may be ingested or inhaled by grazing livestock or wildlife, and the disease is especially common in the western Texas hill country. According to Dr. Jamie Ben Felix from the Cook Wildlife Lab at Texas A&M, there was a spike in anthrax cases last year in Texas, and if you assume the economic value of each animal was only $1,000, which is low, this would be a $10 million loss in just a few months. And these are reported cases only and is not counting the number of animals that died and were not reported. There is a vaccine for anthrax, and it is commonly given to livestock in susceptible areas, but it can only be administered by injection, so there is no protection for wildlife. Because of this, researchers are working to develop an oral vaccine, which would allow vaccination of wildlife. Dr. Ben Felix indicates the concept has potential, and they are now starting a deer study to determine if the oral vaccine is feasible. Anthrax is one of the oldest enemies of microbiologists, and the Stern strain developed by Max Stern 85 years ago is still being used today. So hopefully the researchers can make some progress with the oral vaccine. The challenge with the oral vaccine is to keep the bacteria alive in the gastrointestinal tract until immunity can develop. And current researchers are using the same strain of vaccine, but it is preserved in a gel-like suspension. The plan is to place the vaccine in a bait that will be eaten by wildlife and give the animal immunity to anthrax. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's a program that allows 4th and 5th grade students and their families to visit national parks for free. Jessica Domel tells more in today's Wildlife Report. 
a U.S. Forest Service program is now offering free passes to fourth and fifth grade students and their families. USDA's Rod Bain has more. The free access to over 2,000 national forest and grassland sites for the remainder of this school year for fourth and now fifth grade students. Al Rimley of the U.S. Forest Service says this access via the Every Kid Outdoors program was extended to then fourth grade students from last spring. Very anxious to use their passes as they were ready to go outside and explore the world around them. And unfortunately, with these closures and stay-at-home orders, they could not get the full benefit of that fourth grade pass. So to counteract that for this school year, the 2020-2021 school year, we're extending this offer to fifth graders who would have been fourth graders last year to participate again this year. The program is designed for this student group and their families to experience and eventually build a lifelong connection to the outdoors. Free vouchers valid through August 31st of next year for fourth and fifth graders are available for download at www.everykidout.com outdoors, all one word, dot gov. That report was from USDA's Rod Bain. Again, that website is everykidoutdoors.gov. Sign up for the General Conservation Reserve Program, or CRP, opens up January 4th. The program is competitive and provides annual rental payments for land devoted to conservation purposes. Through CRP, farmers and ranchers establish long-term resource-conserving plant species to control soil erosion improve water quality, and enhance wildlife habitat on cropland. The sign-up period will run January 4th through February 12th. Sign up at your local Farm Service Agency office. Call ahead as an appointment may be required. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market was lower all day long. We ended up closing lower in both live and feeder cattle, but we did see some gains today in the cotton and grain markets. We'll update all of our agricultural, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. back looking at another lopsided matchup Jim. today we have a combine taking on a train yeah that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine no competition there right especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train that's 18 football fields it's no contest every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings see tracks think train this message brought to you by operation lifesaver We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market traded lower all day long on Wednesday. We ended up closing lower in both live and feeder cattle. December live cattle dropping 67 cents, 110.65. The February down 42, 113.15. April live cattle down 62 cents at 116.62. Feeder cattle even lower, especially on the deferred contracts. The November dropped 35 cents, 137.02, but we saw big losses on the deferreds with January down 242, 137.30. March feeders dropping 227 to close at 136.90. Cash fed cattle market, still no sales reported on Wednesday, but we did have the online fed cattle exchange. They sold 543 head of Texas cattle, those cattle selling at 110 and a quarter. That's just about steady with the 110 market that we saw last week. That may be an indication of what we may see for the rest of this week. Boxed beef prices were higher. Choice up $1.81, 235 53 Select up 33 cents at 214.29. 
Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now. We'll go to El Campo Livestock in El Campo, Texas. They sold 1,112 head this week. The trend steady to higher. Two to 300 pound steers, $1.41 to $1.95. Three to four weights, $1.45 to $2.03 a pound. Four to 500 pounders, $1.35 to $1.85. Five to six weight steers, $1.18 to $1.47, with six to seven hundred pounders bringing $1.12 to $1.30 a pound. Slaughter cows, 10 to 55 cents. Slaughter bulls, 50 to 80 cents. East Texas livestock in Crockett, Texas, selling 2,407 head. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.47 to $2.03 a pound. Three to four weight steers, $1.33 to $1.84. Four to five weights, $1.23 to $1.66. Five to 600 pounders, $1.18 to $1.54. With six to seven weight steers bringing $1.10 to $1.36 a pound. Slaughter cows, 39 to 60 cents. Slaughter bulls, 73 to 88. Stocker cows brought 710 to 1375 ahead. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs closed higher. December up 27 cents, 65.80. February hogs up 27 at 65.90. Class 3 milk was mixed. December milk down 7 cents, 16.09 a hundredweight. The cotton market closed higher. Traders waiting to see what is in USDA's weekly export sales report coming on Thursday morning. We closed with the December contract up 57 points, 69.68. The March up 53, closing at 71.83 cents. The grain markets closing higher. Corn and wheat both continuing to climb this week. They're getting a lot of support from the soybean market. Soybean now at contract highs, uh, nearing $12, and that is pulling both corn and wheat up along with it. Also, as far as wheat is concerned, we see dry weather continuing to be a big concern for winter wheat, especially here in the plains. And it looks like the forecast is looking fairly dry as well. That's supporting prices. December, Kansas City wheat up five and a quarter, 557 and three quarters. New crop July wheat up four and a half, 576 a bushel. December corn up another five and a half cents, 425 and three quarters. Energy markets higher with December natural gas up two cents, 271. December crude oil up 49 at 41.92 a barrel. And the financial markets mixed with the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 96 points, 29,686. The NASDAQ up 9, 11,912. The S&P 500 down 8 at 3,601. Well, that wraps up our markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I hope to see you then. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.